back in the day, I set up a huge, huge shortcut. It was like hundreds and hundreds of items to give me a bit of an intro to the day, right? It would look at my calendar. It would look at all of this stuff that I had going on. Then it would formulate a welcome message. It even had like a whole dictionaries full of different good morning messages and it would randomly pick one and then it would do the text to speech and Siri would read it out to me. And I love this waking up. I did this what over 10 years ago, right? Wake up in the morning, this thing plays. It was my alarm clock. It it even had music fading in and out and things like this with the with the text. Uh, with the speech. And over the years since, I've always been just messing with this concept. I've always wanted to get this to work really, really well. Since ChatGPT came out, I've been wondering, can I do a better version of it? The thing that has always eluded me from the very beginning with this little personal assistant idea is the concept of long-term memory. I've always wanted to be able to say, hey, remember that my son was born on this day right? Or uh, remember that I really am into funk music, you know, like really cheesy funk. That's my jam. I wanted to be able to use that information to give me music recommendations. Or what I wanted to do is when it's at the start of my day, I wanted to say, you've got some free time in your calendar today. It's your son's birthday this weekend. Why don't you go to the shops and pick up a present? Of course, ChatGPT can't do that. Can it? Question mark. So I came up with this idea. It started out. That's called foreshadowing, by the way. (laughs) Consider me shadowed. I'm intrigued. Yeah, this is going to be one of our deep cuts now. (laughs) Joshua is going to be, look, I'm telling a story and didn't give away the ending when I started. I started working on this thing. I won't go into the technical details, but I have given ChatGPT a long-term memory. There's this feature. I think you have to pay for the premium version. There's a feature that lets you create create your own GPT and give it custom abilities, custom endpoints that it knows about, and it knows what it can expect from those endpoints, and it can go and fetch them. Or it can put something there, right? It can. It, it's both a, a get request as well as a push or put request. Right, it can it can go both directions with the information. I have used these to create a memory bank. And this has worked really well because I, I think that the insight that made this possible was that our memories don't work like one big blob, right? Our memories aren't just stored one after the other um, as like, I have the Ultra Pro Max podcast this morning. I feel like a cup of tea and my son's birthday is on Sunday, something like that, or was actually just this last Sunday. They, they, they're they organized not linearly like that, but in chunks, right? I have a chunk in my brain that is for my wife, a chunk in my brain for each of my kids, a chunk in my brain for this podcast and some other podcasts, and those actually kind of live relationally close to each other. So what I did was I created multiple endpoints, multiple memory stores for each of the chunks in my life. I created a chunk, a memory store, a database, a key value store for my wife and various things for my music tastes. And then for each of these endpoints, I fed those into my custom GPT on OpenAI and gave it the ability to both pull from and put new memories into. And what that means is that now when I'm talking to this custom AI, which I called uh, Aliza, 
because it's like a Hebrew take on Eliza, which was my very first. I used that on the Apple Color Classic. I used to play with that all the time. I think it was the only sort of gamish thing that I had on that computer for a while. Um, I was inspired by that, Jonathan. That one, Eliza was uh, was a true friend. Did you just call me Jonathan? Uh, again, ding. We got to ding it. <laughs> I was just talking to your brother just just the half hour ago. So yeah, we got to we have have to have a sound effect. <laughs> I'll get right on it. Yeah, <laughs> tell Josiah uh, to to organize that for us. Uh, how many other J brothers do you have? All right, this is a tangent on a tangent. Uh, there, there's three brothers who start with J. Then my mom had three more boys with uh, stepdad, and they're different letters, so they're not J's anymore. Um, I know that Jonathan's children, and oh, they're, they're also J's, yeah. You know, I think that there is like a particular thing about J children, like that letter of all the letters has a reputation. Uh, yeah, well, at least in America, it means homeschooled, and uh, that really? very much... <laughs> 10 homeschooled J starting children, we, we would bump into them occasionally, and we were three homeschooled J kids. Wait, I know a set of five homeschooled J It's a thing. It's wow, absolutely a thing. I did not realize. And then you can tell if they kept having kids, they started running out of ideas. So they're like, they were, and they're usually biblical. So they're digging deep into it, trying to figure out like, ah, is Jedediah going to work for a girl? Shoot, I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> so Js are easier for boys. Now I can say to ChatGPT, Funk music is the best, don't you think? Or this 90s music, I'm really into it. And then in a completely different conversation, I can say, hey, I'm just trying to pick a playlist for a dinner party. What sort of music should I put on it? And it's what it's going to do is it's going to know it has a memory store uh, called music. And when I say I'm into 90s music, you don't even have to say, remember this. You just sort of say, I'm into 90s music. And it will go and store that memory in there. And then later, it will pull the, the, all, of the mem- nine, all of the memories relating to music, only contextually, though. And the advantage of doing it contextually is that you don't fill up the context window with stuff you don't need. The database is better structured, and also it only grabs and puts things in the right place at the right time, and you don't just have everything about you dumped into every chat where it's going to be maybe diluted. That's what I did, and it works really well. I'm really happy with it. You wrote a blog post about this, which we'll link to, right? We're kind of walking through what you did. Yeah, that's more of the technical details if you wanted to set it up yourself. So it's we could fully replicate it then? Oh, yeah. Off your blog. Epic. How are you how are you interfacing with it? I you may have answered that already, but how are you talking back and forth to it? Just in the web app. I'm looking forward for the iOS app to support custom GPTs. It mustn't be far off. But that's what I'm the most excited for because this this actually sort of skips forward into like the last topic for today. Do you want to just move things around? My favorite way of talking to ChatGPT is not only the dictation tool, although the dictation tool inside of ChatGPT is incredible, right? This whisper engine that they've got. There's also this one that talks back to you. Have you ever used the conversational one? I was trying it on the weekend, but I ran into some kind of a bug, so I need to try again. You know, you go on a uh, road trip and there's some conversation. Do you put on some music? Do you put on a podcast? Whose podcast do you put on? Or do you want to listen to an audiobook? We don't do any of that if we're going on a road trip anymore. We put on the ChatGPT. 
and the kids just shoot questions at it and it replies and the kids listen and they just talk to it and they talk to it. It understands what the children are saying, which, you know, most adults can't even do that. Now, are you, is that with CarPlay or is that just, sorry, or is that just with like... I start the whole session on my phone. Yeah, just with built-in audio. Okay, so it's running off the phone. Hey, I'm ready to hit the ground run. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, it's listening to me right now. Oh, the... So once this all works with my custom GPT, that's going to be incredible. Uh, I talked last week about my running while writing a book while listening back to it in that whole loop I did. It just is so such an amazing experience overall. The weekend was crazy, but I had a little bit of downtime in the evening, so I was fiddling with ChatGPT. And what I was doing, if you have the pro account, you can they have now incorporated Dolly. So you can say, ChatGPT, make me a picture of blank. And then it spits out an image 30 seconds later, and you're like, well, actually, my example was, make me a, a, an image of a woman with wings fighting wombats. And it gave it to me, and then I said, make it meaner, make it scarier. And then it, like, it tweaks it. I did that trend. I did that trend. That, that's like, if you don't know what else to do, just start that. We'll start there. I think it starts to happen, and that's why I need to test out this audio flow. When you remove the interface, there's an old book called The Best Interface is No Interface. It's for designers and engineers to some extent. And you forget that there's an actual app, and you just start having a conversation. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. That, that Dali is the future really it is the future of image generation i think this concept you know we had for a while people thought oh there's going to be prompt engineers where people are going to like figure out exactly there's no more artists now it's going to be all about what sort of prompts you put in well i think that that maybe was useful but for a while but the future is being able to just have a conversation about it. This is the generic sort of thing. Oh, no, that's not right. Change this. Update this. And ChatGPT can go and generate whatever prompts it needs to generate to get the best results. I, I sat with my kids for bedtime. And I'm like, hey, you, you, do you guys want to try something out? Usually I'll read a, a story to them. I said, hey, ChatGPT, for my son first, what kind of story would you like? So I asked my son and, and then I asked it to create an image of a fantasy world, a boy on a dragon fighting a giant, something like that. And then I asked it to create a short story based off that, and then we read the story together. And then my daughter, we, we did something else, and with my daughter, I was having kind of fun. At, I, I said, I used the word cute. So it was a, a princess on a unicorn fighting a giant. But the story went overboard. It's like the, all the soldiers had spoon-shaped swords, and they had fluffy shields. <laughs> They fought the giant with marshmallow teeth. And it was like, all right, that my six-year-old was rolling her eyes like, what, what is this? So I then asked it to make it a little bit more scary. And it was just so fun to be interfacing that way. And then my daughter was like, well, that's not what I imagined in my head. So we kept trying to generate it again to play with it. And there was just something really cool about for 20 minutes, we're all just kind of fiddling with this and hanging out together. I don't know if you've played with Midjourney, but the most frustrating aspect of it is having to just copy and paste, right? That's good. Oh, I wanted to change it. I'll just go and find my original message, copy it, paste it, change this word or change that word, and then go again. And and hopefully my prompt is generally on the right lines, and you just don't know. Whereas ChatGPT, maybe it's not coming up with the best prompts. You wouldn't know, would you? You can ask it, what prompt are you using? And it will tell you. Maybe it will tell you the truth. I don't know, but... I've actually been experimenting. What I've been doing is, hey, ChatGPT, I'd like an image of A, B, C, and D. Can you write out a prompt for what I just asked for and then generate an image? It's I see the prompt, and then I see it. That way, I'm able to work backwards to understand what happened. So I've been adding that little extra step in. 
The other item I just get on really quickly is uh, Dictation iOS 17 separate from ChatGPT is fantastic. Like if I need to send a text message or write down a reminder, it actually works. I've been so frustrated with Siri for a decade now. It actually is functioning properly. I'm talking specifically about Dictation, not Siri as a whole. I st- <laughs> nothing has changed on my perspective there. I don't know. I like it works, but it doesn't work like the Whisper AI. It doesn't work like the ChatGPT Dictation. It's a whole different level. I need to try ChatGPTs because Dictation, I always, it just never worked for me. So I never used it. And now it will, if I want to write, if I'm um, on my watch and I'll say, uh, remember to pick up the milk tonight at, at the store, it will pretty much nail that. And it did not before. So to me, that's just this massive win. Or if I need to send a quick text message to my wife, it'll get it. Yeah. It gets it cor- correct. Right. For simple things like that, it's great. But I'm talking about, we're driving in the car, there's road noise, we pass Banyo and or some more complicated suburb like Mulula and I, I I didn't know if that was a store, a city, a sign, a shop. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And crazy. nor does <laughs> iOS. But ChatGPT does. And I do with my Italian. I'm learning Italian at the moment. So I'll say, you know, I'm learning Italian and then I'll speak to it in Italian and it will mix the languages as part of the dictation works great with Hebrew as well and this sort of uh, level of functionality is just a next tier above what Apple is capable I'm gonna ask go ask ChatGPT to like teach me Spanish or something oh yeah so like the conversation will be really nice th- this is what I've been doing actually and and this I think is a really cool hack is I'm learning Italian mostly on Duolingo and there'll be some phrase or word that maybe I'm getting wrong and I need to practice so I'll take that and I'll search for it on Mastodon, or you could use Twitter, whatever. And I'll find toots, tweets, whatever that include this word or phrase, and I'll try and translate it. I'll manually try. And there'll be words that I'm missing. There'll be, you know, but I'm just doing my best to translate it. And I'll put that into ChatGPT. Here's the thing I'm trying to translate. Here's my translation. I know I've got a few words wrong. Can you talk me through how, what I've, what mistakes I've made? And it, is incredible and it's it's not only is it accurate and not only does it point out like grammatical mistakes as well as spelling mistakes as well as all of that sort of stuff but it's really supportive you know that's that's the best (laughs) thing about it it's like oh you've done a great job (laughs) sometimes you just need a little help (laughs) exactly it's not like no 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 you stuffed this up you're an idiot no it's really good now, with your like long-term, this has me thinking. With your long-term memory on a GPT, can you put some kind of uh, like preference memory in there? Like, if you if you wanted it to always talk to you like very politely, or like be a little mean to you, or something like that, like could you put those kinds of things into its memory bank? You could, but I wouldn't. When you're setting up a custom GPT, there is like a paragraph of instruction of how you want it to talk to you, and you can just include that with your. G- GPT in the first place that doesn't need to be in a memory I guess we should officially start our show we kind of just did but we start this thing officially well here's the proper intro what's what episode is this are we on 11 we're 11 we're 11 I'll okay. fix that right now okay. oh my memory's still better than chat GPT's okay welcome everybody to episode 11 of Ultra Pro Max this is the podcast uh, where we talk about all kinds of things and we take forever to get to our intro but we talk mostly about app development and the Apple ecosystem I'll just dive into the top of our notes here. More grounded conversation away from uh, AI. 
have you created a new <laughs> theme song for us yet? No, I have not. I finally have work, and so I'm cranking at my congratulations contracts. I thank you, and but it's yeah. Now I'm realizing how little time there is in the day. There was little time before, but now there's even less. I think I I like looked at my schedule today, and I could get eight hours of work in starting at eight thirty, and I'd be done at ten thirty because of other meetings in the middle. Anyways, that's where we're at. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna record something on the piano and put it in, and you're gonna not like it. <laughs> so the worst. you're going to you're the worst. You're you will probably make... edit afterward and be like, "That's the worst." So I think that's what uh, I'm gonna do. Oh, this is no pressure. We'll let my song stick for as long as one of you guys can't handle it any longer. And I'm terrible. I might like get my microphone. I want I have this really cheap bad microphone. I'm gonna put it right up. <laughs> close to the drums so that it clips no. and play a little a drum beat it'll sound bad and it won't be in time with the piano and we can maybe put them together we'll mix them together no <laughs> there goes my weekend this is uh, not our primary income source for any of us so uh, you do you luke i'm glad to hear that you got some great work oh i appreciate that speaking of great work that brings us to the next thing on our uh, list which is my new laptop great work means better money which means new laptop i I don't have it yet congratulations but, uh, this, oh. this week is the week to buy it so i i which i i mentioned and then josh would put it in the list anyway how does your touch bar feel about this uh, the touch i don't care how the touch bar feels the touch bar can can go you know go do what touch bars do when they die i'm so done with it so walk us through your options right now like you've done your research what what what's the deciding factors for you right now we, we were talking about this a little bit before I've always said I'm a developer mostly these days. Um, back in college, I had some beefier constraints with like main stage and logic and, and more music app stuff. But these days, it's mostly developer, which I was like, okay, no big deal. But then yesterday, as I was developing uh, in my React dev environment, my Arc browser processor was helicoptering my Mac for like four or five hours straight. So I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I do need better processing. I don't know. To put a baseline, like you're on an Intel machine, right? Yeah, I'm on an Intel machine. And I, I really have no context for how good the M... Yeah, th that's your answer. It, the answer is you could get an M1 MacBook Air, bump it to 16 gigs of RAM. You will start crying how happy you are. Like, that's how cheap you could go right <laughs> now with how much better it is. Oh, I'm so excited. But I'm like, you know, for longevity as well, it needs to last the next four or five years. <laughs> that's always the excuse. <laughs> <laughs> A friend of mine, she just we just went through this logic over the weekend, and what she landed on was a 15-inch MacBook Air, upgraded the RAM. That is, I think, for almost everybody I know, that's the perfect device. The only question for me would be, do you want it so small and sleek that you barely notice it in a backpack? If so, go for the 13-inch, because my, my wife has that machine. I cannot get over how light and delightful it is to hold it in one hand, throw it in a backpack, pick it up. You are just happy holding it with how amazingly thin it is. However, if you're like, I need 15 inches, I'm a developer, then just upgrade the size. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And as I was saying before the show, I'm like kind of torn on the 15 inch because the 13 inch fits so perfectly below my, my monitor display. And I'm going to have to get like a book to put under my display or something to get it up over my 15 inches. I don't know. These are all small little petty things. But that being said, I love mobile development. So having a 15-inch display would be killer. Are there processor configurations? There aren't, right? It's just M1, M2, or M2 Pro, or whatever. You have CPU configurations. I think that's what you're asking about, right? Yeah. Because before it was like you can get the 2.2 gigahertz Intel or the 2.4. 
Yes, you're choosing between M1, M2, or M3, and then you're choosing how many cores you want for CPU and GPU. Uh, On the pros, on the errors, I don't think you can really choose, or you're much more limited on that. So if you're going to get an M3 MacBook Air, I can't imagine you will be even slightly upset for three years. I think you're going to be just be so in relief of where you've come from. You mean M2, M2 MacBook Air? You're right. The MacBook Air is still an M2. Yes, you're just going to be so happy for a long time. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's a big purchase, but I'm excited. And my suggestion would be, if even if you have to keep the small hard drive size, get the get the RAM to 16 gigabytes, even though oh, RAM no, is no. amazing on Apple. I actually bumped it to 24 gigabytes, which I don't think was strictly necessary. Did you notice much of a difference? No, no. Uh, this ep- this week's episode, this past week's episode of Upgrade, they do this cool segment where they talk about Apple's current lineup of all of their products. And the question is, should you buy it or should you not buy it? If you're going to buy it for the holidays, you know, you're going to buy it right now. I have not heard that yet. That's brilliant. And so that might answer some of your questions too. Take a look. I get this thing. Setting up a Mac for the first time is a good opportunity to kind of talk about. And I don't know if this is setting up a... a Okay, setting up a new Mac for the first time. Not like this is your first Mac ever, but more like this is a, an upgrade. I recently, I was given a work laptop for something I was doing. I went through and spent probably three hours taking everything from my personal laptop in terms of settings that I wanted to replicate on the work laptop. Because what would happen is I'd be in a Zoom call and the screen would go to full screen when someone shares. So I'm like, oh, I forgot, I forgot. I don't like that happening. Or I would try to swipe on Safari to a previous page well, it's a terminal command. It's actually gotten really hard to do, but there's still a way to do it. I would try to swipe on Safari to go back. I'm like, oh, that's right. I got to configure that. And then I'd on, you got to configure it on the trackpad and on the mouse. So I actually created a doc four months ago and wrote out everything that I did between the two. So last week I, I started a new job and I was like, sweet, I have a doc written down. So I just started going through and check, check, check and did everything. So um, I found that there's about... 30 things I immediately want to change in terms of settings to make it feel like home for me. And that took you, that doc took you three hours to carry out? If you, oh no, no. If you think of like writing it the first time, cause I'm like, wait, something's weird. Oh, I forgot. I always do this weird thing where the hot corners is mission control. So, so I'd write that down and go do it. So the next time with this new laptop I got last week, I just quickly like chunked through and did a bunch of the things. I haven't done it all yet, but it's quite quickly, quite quick now. I'm finding that if someone hands me a laptop in my, the new Mac, it might as well be a Windows machine with how foreign it feels to me because there's all these little things I tweak. Yeah, what are the big what are the big like tent posts? I think we've kind of already talked about tent posts. Like you like the side dock for some random reason. That's a big the one. The place of truth for the dock. It only belongs there. All right, I'll go through a few of these. If we get listener feedback, I'll post a blog post about this. Maybe that'll be the uh, the, the thing for me. Screenshots is this big deal where I'll go and I change the screenshot shortcuts because I use Dropler to take every screenshot I make and upload it to the cloud instantly. So I might be in a conversation and I'll say, hey, Sadia, um, here's a quick feedback on something that you just showed me and link. So I have to set up my Mac to my left hand remembers all those shortcuts on the keyboard. So I've got to set it up exactly like the old one. Otherwise I feel lost. Uh, There's a few other ones, lots of things where I update Safari to have the certain moving back and forth between windows that I remember and Zoom, uh, well, kind of hate Zoom, but I use it and there's certain ways I like to use it. What about dev? That's what I find is always missing from a new Mac setup, right? You've got your applications that you know about. And I, I actually have a little folder script that I run to keep a running text file of the applications that I'm using. 
you've got your documents, hopefully they're backed up, I use iCloud Drive, whatever. You know. But then what always gets missing is what developer tools do you have? Homebrew needs to get installed. NVM and NPM and Node need to get installed. What terminal theme do you like? ZSH, I, I use oh my ZSH, right? As uh, like a, a terminal auto suggestions and has plugins and things like this. Valet, that I like rely on Valet for spitting up web servers, things like that. So, and then there's like, I do PHP dev, so I want to install all the different versions of PHP via brew and have shortcuts for linking them and unlinking them and things like this. So there's a lot to it. My short answer is thankfully I don't do any dev currently. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a whole question of itself, right? Because for you, Luke, I'm sure you have a whole bunch of things you're going to need to spend on that new laptop unless are you going to do a, a wholesale copy from one to the other or are you going to set it up manually well yeah this brings up another question i had i think i put it like deep in the the backlog is what's the best way to back up your mac because if you're doing like time machine or something then you could just do a whole scale copy but then we talked about previously that you end up with the super large chunk the blob of, yeah the blob of what, whatever it's called system data or something like that and my system data blob is like 220 gigabytes or something. Like, it's ridiculous. So I, I figured there's no way I can do a time machine backup. Uh, maybe, is time machine even the thing right now? Like, maybe just iCloud documents are kind of the way to go. This is something Jason Snell has talked about on the same podcast, uh, Upgrade. For a lot of really geeky people who were on Macs 15 years ago, time machine is the way to work. I've never once used it. And I might be an outlier here where I either just copy... I put the two Macs next to each other and I do copy. You run through the um, restore from an old Mac and it will copy all data over together. You put a Thunderbolt cable between the two and it runs really quickly. It's fantastic. Or I'll set it up as a new Mac and spend the hours getting all my applications in. So I've never experimented with Time Machine. So do you have a way to back up your Mac then? Like, let's say it, you know, you drop it in the river. To be very clear, this is not a backup solution. I understand the difference. But all of my information is in um, iCloud Drive or in various apps in their own server versions. So for instance, Bear Notes, it's on their server. Um, I have all these things on various. So if I lost my laptop today, I could go to the Mac store, get a new one tomorrow, and I'd have all my data within a couple of hours. I don't have a true backup solution though. That's just a, the data exists somewhere. A true backup solution is Time Machine or Backblaze or something else like that, but I don't, per I don't currently use any of those. I don't either. I mean, you're both probably in the new paradigm. You don't need backups anymore if everything you're doing is cloud-based. Are you the same way, Sadia? I think you probably do still need backups. Uh, I think that's the the right advice at the moment, but I'm too lazy and I don't bother and I don't want an external hard drive sitting on my desk and I I don't. And and I'm aware of my upload. I have upload limits. I can't just upload unlimited amounts either. So I just do iCloud Drive and then... Everything else is in apps, like Joshua said. The only thing that isn't backed up is random movies and TV shows that I sometimes keep on my Mac. Then they can get deleted. It's easy enough to download them again. And my dev work, which sits in my sites folder, which, by the way, when you set up a new Mac, the sites folder doesn't exist by default, but it used to. It used to exist on Mac OS X back in the day. It One of the folders in... Isn't that for your local websites that you're creating yeah that's right? right and so if you create a new folder called sites it'll even get an icon to go along with all of the other folders there so i always i always create my sites folder and keep all my dev work in there because my dev works mostly 
mostly web-based. And I don't, one thing I noticed about Xcode that I really don't like is that if you put an Xcode project in your documents folder, there's tiny files changing constantly. All of these files just take forever to be going up and down and up and down constantly in iCloud Drive and it bugs me. So I keep all of that in a non-synced folder and then just commit it, just push it to Git, GitHub and everything can live there. And so if I drop my, God forbid, laptop in a river, then I can just pull down from GitHub. Oh yeah, because your dev dependencies make that a non-starter. All those, yep, all the tiny little files. Our official thing is backups are not necessary. Maybe we'll get some feedback on that. <laughs> oh, the, the thing I struggle with is when I hear other podcasters talking about their backup solutions, I understand that technically they're correct, but even myself, it feels overwhelming. So when I run across a friend who's like, what do I do for backups? I just say, pay the money for iCloud Drive. Start with the $3 a month one or $2 a month one. At least then if you lost your iPhone in the river, you don't lose all your kids' pictures for the last decade. That, that's Let's at least start with that. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Just the whole idea of a backup drives me bonkers of having duplicated information everywhere. is just kind of freaky to me, which is why I love iCloud Drive and, and the photos. They truthfully live up there. And I get annoyed to all get out when my little 32 gigabyte iPad is storing eight gigabytes of photos. I'm like, stop, you're not supposed to be there. Get off my iPad. You can't delete those that storage space, which drives me bonkers. A lot of the podcasters I listen to, the reason they have backups, and this has happened to me, at some point in their life, they lost data that they felt was very important to them, like a photo of a loved one or a document. And so that scar says it is worth the frustration. And I will make sure that you, you have backups in multiple locations, offline, online, and I'm going to run through that cost and that energy because I don't want to lose it. And I've kind of accepted that I'm okay with the small risk uh, because the energy to figure it out just right feels overwhelming. Joshua, you also have some new hardware I'm seeing here on the show notes. Tell us about that. Did you see it in the camera? Yeah, it's wrapped around your face. Very cool. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. This is, the, this is what I normally wear. <laughs> also, I'm wearing some AirPods Max, and I got them a couple Hold hours on a ago. I didn't even wait, 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 wait. Aren't they still charging with lightning? Yes, they are. How could you bring yourself to buy a lightning? <laughs> A lightning poor product in this day and age. <laughs> we will touch on a couple of uh, on a couple of notes. Years ago, when I joined a company, I got a little stipend, home office setup. I waited, and I'm like, oh, I don't need it right now, and I don't know which version I want to buy, and I want to wait for the new version to come out. So I didn't buy it, and I ended up moving on to a different company, and I never used the stipend. Ugh. So I got a new job last week, and they're like, Hey, you have a little stipend to get some things that would help make your home office setup better. And so I'm like, You know what? Think talking about old scars and learning. I'm like. I get there. It's on lightning. I get that they're three, four years old, but the company is kind enough to offer me this and I could use it now and I'm not going to wait. So I ordered it. <laughs> did you talk about this with your wife or did you just get a package in the mail and just take it into your office? All right. You know me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> to her, both of these black headphones that I have look the same. I may have picked the dark gray version because I knew she would. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I'll buy something and just see how long till she notices before I bring it up. So I walked around this afternoon with this on just to see if she noticed. No, she, she didn't notice the difference. <laughs> I didn't notice the difference. They look similar. And then also like you're just Mr. Apple. So I'm like, of course he's wearing AirPod Pro, like the, the Pros Max. Yeah, of course they would be. And I've got this long shaggy hair. So you see something black on the side of my head. Space gray. Thank you. So I, I did. I had the stipend. I got the box. Space Gray, yes. I have been a massive proponent of AirPods Pro ever since I first got one. Every single day for, since I've had one, I've used them at, to some extent. Yeah. Best product I've ever bought from Apple. 
It's just so fantastic. This little thing in your ear that's just there. A friend described to me a few years ago, he got it because of some credit card rewards. He bought the AirPods Max. And he's like, I never would have spent the money on my own for it, but it's one of the nicest products I own now that I have it. And I've heard that from multiple people who, for some reason, got the AirPods Max. They're really nice. They're amazing. They could have gotten the new Beats Studio Pro, which is objectively a better buy in every way. It's cheaper. It's got the latest uh, chips in it. Um, it has all the modes in it. It has light. It has USB-C. But the hardware on this, the, the way it fits, the way it feels, the, the heft of it, it's really nice. My brother's one of those people that just buys stuff, and he, he bought them like within a couple months of them coming out. And I'm like, Drew, you, that is... <laughs> Does he like them? Yeah. He does love them. And yeah, I would need some, some financial uh, incentive to actually purchase a set, but I'm, I'm stoked for you. Please wait for the USB-C version, Luke. Oh yeah, don't do the lightning. <laughs> I know, I have money now, so what else? My AirPods are failing, by the way. I have the AirPod Pros. It's bad. The, the one on the right side, it's like if I every footstep I take, it clicks. I've had them replaced by Apple because that that's a known issue. Really? You can talk to Apple support. It happened twice. They mailed me a new pair. There's actually an open issue on it that you should qualify for. Cool. Well, thanks. I will dive into that. Uh, another piece of Apple tech, Apple Watch follow-up. I've got the uh, Apple Watch Ultra, and I disabled the action. Oh, wait, wait. What's Sadia holding there? That's it's not working. <laughs> it, all right. So two notes. Double tap is... You have to look at it. That's why. It wasn't working when I was holding it to the camera, but it works perfectly every other time. Well, all right. If you go to Apple's website right now, they're highlighting double tap as the thing to buy for your family. Like it's that's splashed across the home screen. Uh, I have not been able to once use it outside of my initial test. There's no clear affordance on when it's available. There's a lot of false positives when I try to do double tap. Frankly, I just do not think it's worth it at the moment. They may they may improve on it. I have an Apple Watch on all day long, every day, and I never use double tap because it's not clear how you do it. Do you remember some of the things they were marketing that you would use it for every day? Ending a call, pausing your music, um, mainly with media that you are using in some way. It's altering the state of it. It happens so rarely, and I haven't developed that habit. I, I don't think the feature's worth it yet. That's it. You haven't developed the habit. That's the only problem. Yeah. I've used it a lot and I love it. I use it all the time. The best thing is, uh, okay, Apple Watch gripe. Why doesn't the Apple Watch alarms sync with your iPhone alarm? So if I set an alarm on my iPhone and then I ask my watch, what alarms have I got set? It'll tell me I don't have any. But being able to snooze alarms with the double tap is really nice. So you've decided it's worth it. I might need to give it a little bit more time. I thought it would, was supposed to work and it wouldn't. So I'm like, this isn't worth my time. I'm going to move on. The other item is I've actually disabled the action button on my Apple Watch Ultra. I now have an Apple Watch Ultra that <laughs> I don't use its two flagship features. I love the big battery and the big screen. That's the only benefit to me. The reason is I kept getting the Apple Watch Ultra would try to trigger the action button when I was bending my wrist back. Just throughout the day, it would tr false trigger quite often. Maybe it's the way it sits on my wrist. So I finally disabled it because it kept. It would happen three or four times a day. I'm not even using that feature. And I say all this. You should make it so that when you press the action button, your watch plays a little sound. It's got to do it out of the speaker. It goes, ow, oh, stop it. <laughs> Actually, you could, set, you could set that up with a shortcut. I'm pretty sure. I say all this, though. The Ultra is a fantastic piece of hardware. It looks absolutely amazing. I love the, the screen to be able to see texts from people and I can actually send them if I need to. Pretty all, amazing also to have a battery that can just never go out in a single day. 
who would have thought 20 years ago when we got cell phones? I remember cell phones used to be advertised in how many days of battery you got. <laughs> and I bought the one that was like a five-day battery just because, you know, you, you were doing T9 texting and a few phone calls. So anyway, it's nice to have a device that lasts multiple days again. When do you charge? Let me tell you, I charge around 10 a.m. every day while I'm sitting at my desk. Just charge at nighttime. Yeah, me too. Do I you, don't sleep with it. Do you get a lot of sleep analysis benefit out of it, Sadia? I get a lot of sleep data out of it, and I almost never look at it. But it is nice occasionally, very rarely, my phone will say, you hit your sleep goals. And uh, that's a nice feeling. It's worth it. I'm a side sleeper, so I, I can't do the watch on my wrist thing when trying to sleep on my side. It just bugs me, so I don't, I don't wear it at night. Cool. All right. Well, pleasure talking with you both. We will be back next week. Same time. Feel free to shoot us an email at email at ultrapromax.fm. We would love your support. Joshua, have we had any emails yet? Uh, do I admit to this on air? We've had so many emails. Please send us more emails. We, we want as are much- filtering out the th- hundreds and thousands of emails <laughs> that we're like, we just don't have time for our fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, we want to hear from you. Please email us. We do have listeners. Um, so if you're listening, you're not the only one. We really appreciate that. We, we, we see regularly that folks are listening. We're happy to engage too. You send us anything. It does not matter what it says. Luke will read it on the show next week. Oof. Oh, I'm so no excited. No censoring. Okay, no censoring. We will read it word for word. Verbatim. Can I send something in? Is that, or is that cheating? <laughs> Dangerous. Cannot be, uh, the, the rules stipulate it may not be from a co-host or a co-host's direct family members. Already preempted that. I'm hoping we get somebody very random from, please, another country, somewhere else, except for Australia. That doesn't count, but it, it will just block off the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> Email at ultrapromax.fm. We would love to hear from you. All right. It's fun chat with you guys. See you guys next week.